On this edition of The Golf Guy, we have uh, our reoccurring guests, uh, our friend, Top 100 teacher, Brady Riggs. Uh, when I originally scheduled this with Brady, I had in mind um, covering the uh, upcoming U.S. Men's Open at Brookline, as well as uh, the recently completed U.S. Women's Open and the Women's NCAA with the Stanford team. Um, winning and we do in fact cover all those things but uh, as um, everyone who's interested in golf is aware uh, this week lots is going on uh, with Live Golf and um, the Saudi league that um, is getting off the ground with the event this weekend in London um, every day this week has been uh, new developments so Brady and I end up spending Oh, probably the first 45 minutes or so of this podcast talking about Live Golf. I haven't talked with Brady about it before. And as he does with um, so many topics, he has a lot of um, interesting and passionate views on, on it. So uh, we talk about that for the first half. This is one of our longer podcasts because after covering Live Golf, we then get into the topics we were originally going to. Uh, focus on. Um, and in addition to the U.S. Men's and Women's Open and the Stanford team and the NCAAs and the State of the Women's Game generally, uh, we briefly talk about the recently completed PGA. So we cover a lot of ground with Brady. He's always uh, a lot of fun to talk to. So I hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast with Top 100 teacher Brady Riggs. Well, welcome to another edition of The Golf Guy. And I have my reoccurring and, of course, favorite guest, um, top 100 teacher, uh, Brady Riggs. Um, Brady, great to see you again. Thank you for making the time. Always fun to see you and talk with you. I appreciate that, Larry. And if you hadn't said favorite guest, then I definitely would have, you know, peaced out on you today. <laughs> I need that type of reaffirmation in my life. <laughs> and I'm happy to give it because it's true. Thank you. Thank um, you. Lots, lots going on. Um, I sort of, uh, when, when we talked about doing this, you know, we were talked about it as in part a preview of the U S open, and we're, we'll certainly get to that. Um, we finished, uh, the women's U S open that's worth talking about. Um, I've got, um, uh, I've got to talk about my Cardinal women's golf team, the Stanford winning the NCAAs and, the juggernaut with, you know, Rose Zhang, who made the cut at the U.S. Open and Rachel Heck and, you know, Mega Ghani's going to be joining this juggernaut. And so um, and 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 lots to talk about there. But before we get to any of those topics, which are all Ooh. worthy and important, um, you know, we sit here uh, Tuesday evening, uh, June 7th, and we are just awash in breaking news about Live Golf. Um, and, um, uh, so just to kind of set the table, cause there are a couple of different aspects I want to get your thoughts on, on this, you know, lots is happening the last few days, including today. So just to bring things up to speed, we've got DJ and of course now Phil, not a surprise, um, going over there, the leading headliners, um, people are saying maybe Ricky, but that hasn't been announced. Um, of course it's a no cut format, lots of guaranteed money, obviously guaranteed, not only because it's no cup, but huge, huge 
um, guarantees being um, thrown out for some of these big names, the rumor mill, DJ, you know, north of 100 million, Phil um, in the $200 million range for committing to play these things, Tiger, who's not going, um, you know, allegedly in the high nine figures, according to uh, Mr. Norman, who's the ringleader here. Um, and, um, you know, just, you know, the, the, what DJ and Phil have both said is, you know, they're going to play the majors. Um, the understanding is that the majors, of course, not run by the PGA Tour, the four majors that uh, Phil thinks they'll let them play. USGA just this afternoon came out and in a very, you know, as things are in these things, carefully worded statement, you know, said that, you know, well, for the 2022 US Open, that would be the one starting next week in Brookline that we're going to talk about, you know, the criteria have all been set and we're not going to change it for that, you know, leaving the door open potentially for something different in the future. But, you know, for now, um, you know, they'll all be able to play at Brookline um, who are qualified. There's a bunch from not just DJ and Phil, but a few others that are in the field in London. So, Lots to unpack here, lots to talk about, but I want to sort of start, um, if we could, um, and just for a moment, put the source of the money to one side. Hard to do that. Blood money is not an unfair characterization, but let's just put that to one side for a second, just focus on the golf aspect. What is so striking to me about it, if we just look at it for that way for a minute, is this doesn't seem to be golf to me. I mean, golf is always professional golf. I should say has always been, you got to earn it. Um, you know, you, it's not a salary thing. This is what I think you and I and others love about golf. I mean, you got to go out there and earn it every week. There's cuts. Um, there's no salaries or anything like that. Um, and this notion of all this guaranteed money, 54 holes, no cut. It just, it, it seems like an exhibition. It doesn't seem like golf. And um, I'm curious your thoughts on that, because that's one of the things that's really been striking me as I've been watching this unfold the last few days. Well, I know you'd be shocked, but I do have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> I'll, leave the, I'll leave the blood money uh, topic for the next, I'll, I'll let it go for a few minutes, but of course I'm going to speak to that. Yeah. I'll put it to you this way. I had two girls softball teams that I coached growing up. Both daughters were, were softball players in addition to soccer players and, and everything else they did. But one team's name was Crush. And then the other team's name was Smash. And these are girls softball names. And unsurprisingly, I think at least one of those is one of the names of the ridiculous teams that have been set up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. ludicrous format yeah i mean give me a break and i mean you're right the golf side of it i mean we have what half the field more than half the field i have never heard of in my entire life and i right. watch golf every single week right so i don't know how that's competitive i mean usually have the top 156 guys in the world competing and there's a cut to low 70 and ties and you don't play real good that week. If you're just average that week, you pretty much aren't going to make the cut. Right. You know, and then you have to pay your caddy and your travel expenses and do that on your own because you didn't get a paycheck. Not in this format. 
I mean, for all of those people that are out there, oh, it's just participation trophies in this country now. We don't value winning. Well, what do you think you're doing on this tour? Exactly. I mean, you show up and you get a check. Shit, you show up. You don't even have to show up. You just sign a deal and you yeah. can get a check. It's fantastic. I mean, it, the, the, the shotgun is a joke. You know, where are they going to finish? What hole are the leaders going to finish on? Do we have any idea where they're going to finish? I mean, what are you going to do about that? I mean, at least in a normal format, they finish on the 18th hole, right? I mean, well, and presumably, just, you know, if it's a well-designed course, which I don't think any of these they're playing on would be in that category. But, you know, we think of the iconic finishing holes. I mean, a course has a rhythm and to, you know, they, they don't just randomly pick which is the first hole and which is the 18th hole. I mean, a well-designed course bills and stuff and you know we i mean the notion of a shotgun is ridiculous and we've seen similar things in other sports okay so just briefly let's talk about the nhl back when i don't remember when fox took over yeah you probably weren't a hockey fan at the time necessarily but they had the most ludicrous telecast where they had this streak of the puck that was going. yes and like if you're a true hockey fan like what in the you can't see a black puck on a white ice rink. I mean, why do we have to have a blue streak? It was so stupid, you know, and like, what are we going to do in, in major league baseball? Now we're going to, we're going to make sure that you have to be on certain sides of second base. And that right. way you can't have a shift. I mean, here's an idea, bunt. So go the other way. <laughs> or you yeah, know, like, show some bat control to actually hit it. the exactly, other way. Exactly. Right? I mean, I, the whole thing is just, I golf wasn't broken. It seems to be doing quite well. The PGA Tour seems to be pretty successful. This format is, it's just comedy. I mean, when the names came out for these teams today, it was, it was like, is this the onion? You know, because the names were so stupid. They were, I know. You know, and Greg Ormsby or somebody, is that his name? He's a, he's a captain on one of these teams. I, saw I guess that, yeah. Lee Westwood couldn't even, so not only is Lee Westwood never going to captain the, the Ryder Cup team, he can't even <laughs> captain a four-man team on live. <laughs> it's, just, it's so stupid i mean and then the, the the did you see the pictures of phil yeah with the little stubble or and he was with a leather jacket uh, or something i saw I mean, something. the stuff on twitter has been fantastic it, like it, phil's team name should have been eight ball you know and like i mean just the the names are just great the twitter's been fantastic because you have one of three camps right you have the they're independent contractors and they should be able to go ply their trade wherever they want and, you know, good on them for making all that crap. Right. And then you have the, the people, oh, they're going to regret what about their legacy. And, and then you have the group in the middle, which is the most fun, which is just making fun of the whole thing because it is so comical, you know, it's so stupid. Nobody's going to watch this tournament. Nobody's going to care who wins this tournament. You're either in the, you know, in that horrible uh, sundowner stage of the PGA Tour between 42 and 50 years old where you're not relevant anymore and you can barely compete. And then if you're Phil, you know, maybe the 200000 will put a dent in the amount of money he probably still owes everyone across the gambling, you know, universe. You've got DJ who's, you know, looking out for his family after $75 million in earnings over the course of his career. Plus all the endorsements, right? I mean, yeah. The endorsements. His wife just happens to be the daughter of the greatest hockey player who ever lived, but but he needs to look out for his family. I mean, it's just the the stories are stupid. The 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 
BS rationale for making a decision is ridiculous. And like you said, the golf, the thing that we kind of care about because we're fans of it is it's preposterous. It's so stupid. 48 players, 48 players, 36 of which I've never heard of before. I know. I don't, I just can't believe that, that people are going to take this seriously. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to, I mean, you get a, a McKenzie tour event, a PJ tour Canada event has a better field week in and week out than this crap field that they have in their inaugural event in London. And then we'll come to pumpkin Ridge and go play next week, I guess. Right. And, or two weeks in, in, uh, in Oregon or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Right. Is. Right. Yeah. And think of the disrespect to RBC, you know, these guys that are with RBC. Oh, I know all that, time, that just, was, I know. I mean, and RBC so has run so many Dustin Johnson commercials. I mean, I'm trying to think which, it must've been the Colonial. One of these tournaments I was watching and it was like every other commercial was DJ and RBC and, um, and it's the RBC Canadian Open. And I mean, it just, you couldn't be more disrespectful. I mean, it's just all the money they paid him all over the years and stuff. I mean, I, I, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, and, and the Pied Piper taking him over the cliff, right? The Pied Piper taking him over the cliff, who has a statue of himself at his house. I mean, could you, could you have picked a worse person to follow? You I know. know? I know uh, it, 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 it would have taken and the two of them on stage together today was just like fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, the comedic value has been high, I have to say, but Norman and Nicholson, there they are together smiling and hamming it up for the, for their sports washing venture with the Saudis. It's just, and then Graham McDowell and all this other crap. Are, can we get into the blood money part? Really we, go, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Can I start off by saying that I'm not a politician though? Can I at least say that too? You could, you can say whatever you want. What an asinine statement to make. I know. You're a human being, okay? I don't care about your politics. It's irrelevant to me, but you're a human being. This isn't about being a politician. Well, I, I, I actually thought equation. you were going to, I thought you were going to start with what Norman said, I think a, a week or two ago, where, he, where they, someone, I don't remember what the forum was for the interview, someone brought up something about Khashoggi. And he said, we all make mistakes. Do you remember a that? A little mistake. A little mistake. You know, I backed up into the garage, uh, into the garbage can, and I, it was a mistake. You know, we took a bone saw to this journalist who was saying stuff we didn't like and cut him up into pieces and put him in a bag. Just a little error. No big deal. I mean, the fact that they've all acknowledged how horrible so not all, but some have acknowledged. Well, it. Phil has, and right? They, that was what got him in trouble. Yeah, with the yeah got him in trouble. I mean, good luck if you're Phil, man. That probably wasn't a wise thing to say. I mean, I, I think if you, if, you know, you and I both like Eamon Lynch. You know, he's a very good friend of mine. Yes, of, of course. Stuff. And he's and he. By I the mean, way, he, we should just say. I mean, he's done spectacular work on this. Oh, I mean, fantastic. He's, he's been. Work. He's been. He is a must read. And yeah. I think you know, he was saying he's like people have told him to be a little aware of his surroundings because of the negative coverage that he's been, been giving. I mean, this is who we're in bed with here. If you've jumped into this boat and you've come up with the BS line that you're just trying to take care of your family, please stop, please. That's, that's gotta stop. You can't say that anymore. It's just, it's not believable in any way, shape or form. You're not a politician. You're just a golfer. So what you're acknowledging that you're stupid and you're uncaring. 
and you don't care about other human beings. So is that what you are going to do? You're either stupid or you're, or you have no empathy. It's one of those two. Just come out and say it out loud. Just say it. It's so much damn money. I can't walk away from it. At least do everyone the favor of speaking the tr- your own truth about it. I'm willing to look the other way at the bone saw and the blood money and the human rights violations and all those things. Cause look at the amount of money they're going to give me. I can at least understand that at least be a genuine human being and stop with all the BS. That's all. So let's just talk about that. The money part for a second. So it's interesting as you look at who's there. I mean, on the one hand, you've got people like DJ and Phil where um, it really is regardless of Phil's, um, gambling loss, just hard to fathom how they need more money than they already have, but whatever. But on the other end, you know, what's interesting to me is some of the younger people that are in this, you know, a James Pyatt and Andy Ogletree. I mean, these young guys who are, you know, they're obviously they're very good players ever. All these guys are, but they're not really doing great things, you know, out here on the, wherever I'm not sure which tour they have, Corn Ferry, wherever their status is. They're not sort of really lighting up the world. And look, I mean, golf, (laughs) professional golf is so competitive. I mean, it is just, you can have a great game. You can be a plus four. You can be, you know, have won great things in college. And we've seen time and time again, U.S. Amateur winners who look like they were going to light the world on fire. The David Gossett's of the world. We could go down the list who never really. Oh, Peter, uh, Peter Uline, right? Peter Uline, who's, Peter who's, who's, Uline I saw he was captain. Platt, right? He was captain of one of the teams. And, I saw that. Yeah, um, and Andy Ogletree. Andy Same Ogletree, thing. right. That's why I mentioned Andy yes. Ogletree, right. So, I mean, yeah. who have really struggled. Um, do you feel differently about those guys getting this kind of payday? Because for them, I'm, I'm just sort of saying, because for them, they're not making it out here in terms of the tour. I mean, yeah, they, they I, still have the blood money aspect to it. I don't disagree, but I'm just saying it seems to me like those guys, and I'm not, I, I'm not giving them a pass or anything, but those guys, they're not making it here. And so they're sort of, this could be, if one of those guys finishes, I mean, last place, I don't know how much upfront money they're giving these younger guys, but you know, last place under 25,000, they, they win a million or two. I mean, you know, that could be life-changing where they never would get to that on the PGA Tour. I'm curious what you think of those kind of guys and playing in this. I didn't know anybody was entitled to it. I didn't know anybody had a guarantee. That's what we like about it. No, that you is what we love it. about it. You're right. You're right. So, you're so right. you've got you got two factions here. you got the old guys that are washed up. They can't do it anymore. They can't right. compete. Maybe they feel like they didn't make enough money in their career or whatever. So they're going to sell out later in life. Okay. Right. So now they're in their late forties, whatever they're, they're going to sell out now because they realize the writing's on the wall. They bought whatever. It wasn't enough, all the millions of dollars that they've already made in their career. They're going to now cash in even more. Then you got the young guys that are like, well, heck, I may not make those billions of dollars. So I better go take it now. Whoever said you're entitled to it, you know, and, and it doesn't make it any less egregious on either end of the spectrum, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think the guys that are older, they know better. You know, they, they have to know better. Maybe they're just that they've been that coddled and that they've, they've just become, they believe their own bullshit over the years and all their press clippings. And now they think they're the greatest thing ever and whatever it's, this is what they're entitled to at this point in their lives. 
And maybe the young guys have, have, a, have a, maybe they're worried about their future. Go get a job. You know, whoever said that you had to sell out for your, to, to, to make money. I mean, there are, there every single person that has a real job in this world, regardless, I don't care what they're doing, you know, digging a ditch, an attorney, you know, gas station attendant, whatever it is that you do that make an honest living. They all make an honest living. They yeah. all go out and bust their butts. And I don't give a rat's patootie about how much they make. They're all doing, they're all doing it right. These people aren't doing it right. They are not doing it right. And and the whole ignorance is bliss bullshit. And you know, I've just hit a golf ball. I don't want to sorry, sorry, you, you're not that stupid. You're not. And and I hope they all crashed and burn on this tour. And I hope it's a, it's, and I, I don't give a crap about the PGA tour being its own entity. I'm not a shill for them. I don't care about that. I, I think they've done pretty well for their members over the years. Personally, you know, they all have pretty good lives that they're leading. It doesn't really have anything to do with that for me. I think the golf stuff is a comedy. It's a joke. Like we talked about, but to me, the more important issue is the fact that you, and the whole thing, well, what about China and the NBA and what about F1 and, it, it, and, and I think Brandel's comments, Chambly and, and Eamon's on this are, are spot on. What is it? A race to the bottom? Right. They're at the bottom and we just go down there with them. And the sooner we can get there, the better. I mean, what, one horrible situation makes your decision to be a part of another horrible situation. It validates that. Yeah, no, I it totally doesn't. agree with that. You know, well, there's just, a, there, we, I, we, I we, obviously, we see in this country on all sorts of issues, a lot of what you know, people call what aboutism, right? Absolutely. What about this? this what about that? What about and, and so this is exactly that's just to me more what aboutism. It's 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 interesting because and I was having this conversation with somebody who's very intelligent who you know. I won't say his name here, but but we were having this conversation. It's like um, you know, I, at what point along the way here do you actually like have to be held accountable for the decisions that you make? Right. You know. Like, is there ever any accountability left? Is it it just, you can do whatever the hell you want. And the one good thing I would say, the one really, really good thing about this time on the PGA Tour and with Liv and everything else is you pretty much get to know unequivocally where people stand, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you kind of know where Rory stands. And and as much as I liked Rory before, I I don't think I can like the guy anymore. I mean, he's, he's, he's at the highest peak of likability yeah, for me. I, I love that. hundred percent agree. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just got it figured out. And then, you know, we, you have your feelings about Jack. I have my feelings about Jack. We don't necessarily always agree about our feelings about Jack, but Jack, like, you know, he's played both sides of this thing a little bit. I, I, I you know, what, what waning respect that I had for Jack is, is continuing to dwindle. You know, I don't know, man, like people have put themselves in camps. The South Africans have followed their idiot Pied Piper over the ridge too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gary yeah, you really have stupid Saudi golfing on his collar right after a year after his son disrespected the crap out of Lee Elder I know. during the, I, I, know. I mean, and they, they've all gone right off the cliff with him, man. I mean, it's a shame. It's a shame, but at least, you know, where people stand, you know, I, I like that about it. I get to see. You know, you, you've basically said, I'm over here, or I'm over there, and, and good. I, I'm glad that I get to know. I don't have any, I didn't have any concerns about some of these people before. I kind of knew where they stood. 
And it's either pure ignorance or pure greed or some combination thereof. But now we get to see it right in front of us. So. For sure. Um, I, I, I totally agree. Where do you, let's talk about this from, from just another different perspective. So we don't know, we, we know what Jay Monahan has said, you know, the commissioner of the PGA tour previously, we haven't seen any discipline. Well, of course they never really publicly announced discipline anyways, but we haven't seen yet what he's going to do. Um, and, um, but, but I'm just curious. I mean, I, as we said at the beginning, this looks like just an exhibition, not true tournament golf, um, to put it mildly. I mean, it looks like a circus really. Um, and, but you know, that's at the start. There's a lot of money behind this. Um, and we don't know where it's going to go, how it's all going to shake out. Do you view this as sort of an existential threat to the PGA tour? I, I just don't know how, I mean, as soon as they decide that it's not working for them, the Saudis, right? The rug gets pulled out from underneath it and, and it's gone. And now where are those people? It's a pretty big gamble, right? And I, I've seen some of the language today on the PGA Tour member thing. And I, I'm sure you saw that where if they renounce their membership and then they play in non-sanctioned events, there's a they, they were they're suspended for a year and then they can come back i saw some of that language i mean this is this is for smart people like you larry that you know have studied at, at the finest uh, law schools in the country and have applied their trade over many decades to be at the top of their field to help figure out what the ramifications are from a legal standpoint for these guys that are deciding to do this and whether or not you know, renouncing their membership like so many have done is the right course of action or to keep their membership like it seems to be Phil is doing and then to deal with that down the road. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's not built on a solid foundation, right? It seems to me to be on the shakiest of ground. We're, 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 we're founding a, a competitive rival league, whatever it is, on blood money. We're fine. We're fine. We're, we have a very, very poor product. The quality of the players, which is always the thing that makes it special, is very poor. Uh, there's no world ranking points, points at this time. Right. And there's no golf courses that we recognize, and there's no tournaments that we know. And I think the average golf fan out there is going to be pretty dismissive of that. So from that standpoint, I don't see it as any kind of threat whatsoever based on all of the shaky ground it currently sits on. Now, going forward, I don't, I, the whole team aspect to me, I have no interest in. I'm going to go watch a team sport. Yeah, Golf is I, not a team sport, but for three times that I know of on the professional game, it's called the Solheim Cup, the Ryder Cup, and the President's Cup. Yeah, And in amateur golf circles, it's the Curtis Cup and the Walker Cup. And that's right. where the team aspect comes in for me personally. Right? Agreed. Maybe Agreed. the I, I I totally think that even in the Olympics, I think it'd be kind of silly to try and make it a team thing in the Olympics. I, I agree. I, I think it's just better off to be what it is—an individual sport played by nomads and mercenaries. That's what they are. They're out there <laughs> grinding and trying to make a paycheck every week, and it's a tough business, right? So I think that all those things are pretty—they're just—they just don't. Ha I have no interest in them, and I don't see where the average person is going to going to care if teams smash beats the other softball, the girl softball team I they're playing I don't against see that. Yeah. Just, I don't see none of that stuff matters. 
So I don't, I don't think from that standpoint, it's threatening, you know, how many tournaments years is this going to go on? Yeah. I I don't, it's all, they can pull the plug at any time. Right. I mean, and, and, um, I, I totally agree. And I don't know what the metric is. I mean, what is it? How it's, you know, this, I, I don't know how the Saudis think about this. I mean, how are they going to look at this in two years? What's the success going to be? Uh, people, I think, that have formed an opinion on their regime are not going to change their mind well, because th- th- they were right. funding a few golf tournaments. Well, exactly. I, I honestly don't, I kind of don't get it. I mean, what's the return that they're expecting to get here? I mean, you know, I understand that's a large, you know, I, I mean, nothing's infinite, but, you know, a, a seemingly close to infinite amount of money. But, you know, you, you could, you don't want to just take money and burn it, you know, burn it up every year. I mean, they can just write $500 million checks every year for the, for the heck of it. I mean, I don't see what is going to come of this. You know what I mean? It's just like what, as you say, I mean, I don't see you know, it's all of a sudden is going to say, oh, well, we have a very different view of these people because they put on eight tournaments here. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I, I just I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by the whole thing, to be honest with you. I mean, I, it's it's I get why the players, you know, swallow their, you know, morals, if you will, and, you know, want to just take the money. I agree with you. It'd be nice if they were more candid about it. I don't see this growing the game or anything like that. I mean, this is like exhibition. Golf. This is Monk, this is a circus, but um, at least in its current incarnation. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose I could see it as a threat to the PDA tour if enough people went to it, but I don't see what the Saudis think they're going to get out of this. Maybe I'm missing a basic point, but I just, I don't see. No, I think it's like I said, I don't, I don't understand why anybody thinks that this is going to be interesting. I, I don't get it. I'm, I don't care that these guys are making more money. What difference does it make to me? No, I as, as, as someone I, who's I a golf fan who wants to watch golf, I don't really care about that. I'm, I'm more interested. I have more interest in watching somebody grind to make the cut um, or, you know, or grind to make a paycheck or something. That's, that's much more interesting to me. Um, I agree. Or keep their status on the PGA tour. Right. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fascinating thing. Or like we, you and I were talking before we started this today, that yesterday is why we love golf. Oh, totally. Yesterday was the Monday to get into the U S open on the 36 holer. And it's the longest day in golf. And I've caddied in that many, many times over the years for different players. I've, I've been to different qualifying sites around the country caddying and rooting on players. And I've watched the disappointments and, you know, it's, it's, it is a thing. Like it's, it's a big long day, but it's, it's why we love golf because it isn't guaranteed. Right. You have a chance to enter the U S open and play your way into the field. And if you play good enough, as you said, it's meritocracy on the PGA tour and certainly in the U S open where if you play well enough, you get in, Right. you get in, you get a chance. And if you play well, Hey, you get to make the cut, make some money. If you, if you play good enough to win, so be it. You know, maybe Roy McAvoy's out there. Who knows? But the idea is like, <laughs> the idea is that it, it is cool that way, right? Like it's the totally. story. It's the compelling story about so many players that are good enough to make it and they haven't for whatever reason. And then they put it all together on this 36 holer and they get into the open. And then we see that at Q school, right? And then they have a chance to go out on the PGA tour and make their, give it a shot and roll the dice and see if they can make it. But there's no guarantees on any of that. No. And I think what you said is so important is that 
That's what makes it compelling. It's compelling because there's, there's risk. The NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, you name it. There are contracts. You get hurt, yeah, you're making your money, right? You play like crap, you get benched. You're still making your money. You right. might not hit performance bonuses or whatever, but you, you sign the contract, you're getting right. paid. Right. There is no deal like that in golf. Like You're not making multi-million dollar contract signings and then going out and mailing it in, missing every cut. Well, I, let, let, I actually glad you brought up the NBA and, and, and the other leagues, because that's kind of, as I understand the genesis of some of this thing, it's sort of the stars thinking like, you know, well, gee, Steph Curry, you know, is sitting here making $50 million a year, regardless of if he has a good year or not. I mean, at least on his current contract, what have you. And that, you know, there's this notion out there that the stars on the PGA Tour are underpaid. Because, you know, they drive so much of, you know, the interest, you know, the top, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 plays, certainly, you know, Tiger, Phil, those guys drive so much of the interest. I mean, when they're playing in a tournament, you can, you know, I don't know, X thousand more tickets are going to get sold or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's, that seems to be the notion behind some of this, that the stars aren't all playing together and as, as much as they could be. And again, I'm no I mean, I'm not a live golf guy, obviously, but I'm just saying, I mean, I think that's some of the notion, but it loses the compelling aspect to it. To me, it's like, yeah, okay. But I mean, that's why we love golf or that's why at least you and I love golf, because in fact, they do have to earn it every week, every tournament. There's no guarantees. You're right. And let me ask you this question. Here's, here's where it's different. Okay. Do you want to watch... Peyton Manning go out right now and, and be a starting quarterback in the NFL? No. Would you want to see that? Why? Because he's Why would you can't, know can't play anymore. Okay. Right. He's old, right? Yep. He's old. Do you want to go watch um, you want to go watch uh, Tom Glavin pitch in Major League Baseball? Not 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 in 2020. Probably not. How about Shaq? You want to go watch Shaq play some basketball right now? That would might be NBA? interesting for certain aspects, but not really. <laughs> okay, my point being right? That, um, golf, you kind of have a long career, you know? I mean, the average NFL running back, I think is still yeah. at four years, four years, That's right. The, the, for a running four, back, right. Four right. years. Yeah. Yep. Major league baseball, obviously a little bit different, but not that much. I mean, if you're a left-handed pitcher, you can play until you're 75 years old, but, but basically like, you know, those guys have short careers, right? So they're, yeah, they're guaranteed money. They have much more likelihood of a career ending injury, there's all of those things that go along. They have CT. I don't know any golfers are getting concussions, you know, that are playing over the years that are going to have massive brain damage because they're out there playing their sport. So there are risks involved and there's a difference in the longevity and all that stuff going on in every other sport. Golf oh, is different. We're talking, not only do you get to play into your forties, you get to play for some people like Bernard Lauder into your sixties, right? You're making money in your profession for, Anywhere between 15 years, 12, 15 years, if you're, if you have a good solid career all the way into 30 to 40 years, give me a break. You know, I understand that, you know, yeah, they're signing these big deals and these contracts, but at the same time, their window is small. Yeah. I, it's I, not that way on the BGA tour. I, I totally agree with that. And the other thing I would add, I totally agree. And just to add to that argument on that side of the argument is and I don't know all the details, but from what I understand, the PJ Tour has probably the best pension 
of any sports league in, in, you know, that there is. And so in addition to being able to sort of play on the tour for, you know, up to 50, I mean, if you keep yourself in good condition, then play on the champions tour and, no longer is amazing. Um, you know, you've got this pension too, which is very lucrative. So it's not like they don't it take care of it. It doesn't take plan. much to get that pension either. I'm telling you, like you, the, the time that you need, every cut you make, you're vested into it more and more and more. Right. Right. So if you've, if you've made 30 cuts in your career, it's better than the guy that made 20 and, and onward and upward. Right. So it's a very, very good pension. These guys, if they've had a successful career on the PGA Tour, they're good to go. They're yeah. not worried about anything going forward. So I, I just, I, I don't, I, there's no argument for me that works for me yeah. in this scenario, other than you just are an ass and you don't care. That's all. I mean, that's kind of it for me. And, I, and I'm saddened because some of these guys, like I like Graham McDowell and I'm very, very disappointed to see him, you know, part of this, this, this kind of sham that we're watching. And some of these other guys, I'm kind of surprised. I'm a little surprised by Taylor Gooch because he is younger. You know, he's had a good start yeah, to the career. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just talk year, about, so. I have to, I'm glad you mentioned him because I actually want to talk about him for one minute because he, in some ways is one of the most interesting aspects. So we were talking about the bookends a few minutes ago, the people in their late forties, Lee Westwood, whoever, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, really can't, you know, aren't, aren't going to be a threat to win anymore. And as you said, then we have the people at the other end, you know, who are struggling, you know, yeah, Andy Ogletrees, whatever, you know, haven't really made it yet. Taylor Gooch is in many ways, almost the most surprising name to me because I mean, he's done well, right. I mean, you know, I yeah. mean, he hasn't like, he hasn't, he's not, he hasn't lit the world on fire, but he's done quite respectably, I think. I mean, and I'm he was just, leading the FedEx Cup points in the beginning of the year in the right, room. right, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I just that one was a puzzling yeah. one for me in particular why he would do something like this. I, I don't have a clue. You know, I mean, if you had a chance to go play in all the majors and you know eventually make a Ryder Cup team, and I mean, I guess it's you and me. We're, we're a little romantic about the things that we find compelling about professional golf. Yeah. And, you know, like I've always said about like, um, I've said about, you know, Anthony, for example, Anthony Kim, right. Anthony like, Kim, right. Know, yeah. You know, for a long time, like yeah. Anthony, like it wasn't really about that for him. It was about, you know, he, he had a tough time growing up as a kid playing and, you know, had his challenges and stuff. And, and from his perspective, it was, it was always a means to an end. Yeah. It's not because Anthony's a bad guy. It's just what he went through in his life, you know, growing yeah. up, it was really yeah. tough on him. Right. But I always was like, man, we get to play at Augusta and, you know, it's like, like our Ryder cup team. And it just didn't really matter to him that much. You know, it was much more about, you know, taking care of himself for the rest of his life and that kind of thing. So I, I, I get that there are different stories, but what you and I like, you know, I mean, to, to watch Mickelson who is clearly going to be a captain of a Ryder cup team in the next two or three cycles at the most for sure for sure westwood who was going to be a captain at for some sure. point right these guys were shoo-ins you know dj not that he could even spell captain but at some point he might have been a vice captain or something you know <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think he had a chance maybe you know to do something but like it didn't matter doesn't matter give a crap you know and so, like, I guess it's a little disappointing from that standpoint as a fan of the game, 
you know, where, you know, we care about things that I guess the younger tour player doesn't. Maybe Taylor Gooch doesn't care about that stuff. It seems obvious that he doesn't. And from that standpoint, I think that's a little sad because I think that's one of the things that makes the game so special is that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, playing baseball at Fenway, you know, or going to Dodger Stadium or, or going, going to Lambeau, Lambeau Field. Field. I, yeah, I want to make sure we conclude Lambeau Field. Right that. here on my key. There you chain, got, you there's know, the Packer like, insignia. There you go. Exactly. So like, I think like some of those things are supposed to kind of still matter along the way. Right. But maybe nothing matters anymore in 2022. Nothing. The Constitution doesn't, you know, maybe, you know, insurrection. So there's probably a lot of things that we think like would never have happened that have happened now. It didn't take me too long, did it, Larry? No, but no, I I'm trying like... to think what the over under was, was on that. I've, I've got to check my watch here. But um... I don't want to disappoint. But my point no. is, like, I just feel like it's sad that that these things that we kind of think are what every PGA tour player is, is like really excited about and, you know, proud of. And those things mean nothing. They mean nothing. It's just about the money. It's I, about the money. I, I can't, I, I agree. And, 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 you know, and I'm just, you know, especially when it comes to Phil, I just find it. So, you know, it wasn't ultimately a surprise given what he said three months ago, but no, just so disappointing. No. I mean, it's just, it's, um, it just it, it is well, it is what it is we'll see what happens with it but it's um it's it's really disappointing uh and and yeah and as and as a fan i mean look i are there things about the pga tour that i think could be better as a, i'm just talking about the entertainment product that i consume as a golf fan sure i mean you know some of the mind numbing commercials the amount of commercials you know the way that, you know, I, frankly, I think the way that, you know, the, the bomb and gouge approach has been and kind of takes mm -hmm. away. I mean, I sit there and I know like you and I uh, will get so much enjoyment of watching the Sneed Hogan shells, wonderful order of golf match in 65 and the way they would work the ball and everything and the stuff that's happened with the equipment to me and, and, and what it's done to some of the classic courses and stuff, you know, I used to, I, I, that, you know, some of that stuff, I think they've lost control on the equipment side. And I think they could, you know, I would make it more interesting if the equipment had been brought in. I mean, I could sit here and go on and on about things I think could be better about professional golf, but I just don't see how this clown show um, that's going to be going on. That's live golf in its current incarnation is, you know, moves the ball forward at all. I mean, it's, it's a clown show. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, well, from I the have two, names two on down. I would say two other points that have come to mind as you're talking to make me yes. think about the clown show. You know, waste management every year is a clown show, but it's one week of a clown show. But unfortunately, you know, the mashed potatoes, baba booey, moronic idiots that are screaming every week, it's sort of like I'm not, I wear a hoodie and you know me, I've worn a hoodie my entire life at the golf course. I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a stuck in the mud no. conservative traditionalist when it comes to golf. I, I do respect the game, but I, I think that there's, there should be some sort of like differentiation between, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever and, and, and the PGA Tour. I think it's an okay thing to have that. I think Augusta does that as it pains me to say it, I think Augusta does it better than anybody, right? I think they figured that out. So there's that kind of element to it, which I think is, 
I don't know. I, I'd like to see the respect level stay there. I think golf has always separated itself that way to a certain degree, you know, that, that it is kind of a different, it's a different energy, you know, from that standpoint. You're totally. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that still be in place, you know, and then I don't know, like, I, I think somewhere along the way we lost something when um, it became the, it went from the Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open to, you know, whatever it became after that and so on, right? It used to be the Glenn yeah. All Campbell. All the corporate sponsorships, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think somewhere in there we lost something with that, but it's an inevitability, right? I mean, Lambeau Field's still Lambeau Field, but it's a, it's also AT&T Stadium and, and the right. hellhole that is Texas where the Cowboys play. So, like, it's not that surprising that, you know, golf's kind of gone that way. I get that. I just, I guess, where's, where's it going to stop? Where's it going to stop? Like, it, at some point, the game that we recognize, and now I'm that guy, I'm that old guy saying, scream, scream and get off my lawn. But I don't know. I kind of think some of those things about golf kind of are important, you know? Yeah. And I think, like you said, the, the equipment aspect of it is a shame that, that it's gotten to that point that the game has lost some of that. And I, I feel like, you know, that some of that is the fault of the USGA. And yep, I think I agree. some of that is the fault of, of the PGA tour, but man, it's hard to find a lot of fault with the PGA tour in a lot of ways. I think, I think they do a damn good job overall. And I think that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, hard to make a match play event. Great. Right. That, that's a, they, they deal with it it's sort of in the way that they deal with it. I just think that the new generation of fan that's coming in maybe to the game has an expectation of it being more of a carnival. And it may be that in some ways the live uh, experiment will have an impact on the PGA Tour going forward on how they operate their events. Not all of them, but maybe some of them will change. I, I, but this whole thing about, I just want to, anybody that says grow the game, you're not a politician. You're taking care of your family, all that. We're, we're, you know, I new challenge. I like the competition. Bullshit. You think there's competition in a 40 man, eight man? Not, not with these 40, playing? not, not with Give these 40 players, not there's these no competition yeah. there. There's no. nothing there. So I just, I think we're going to have an interesting time with this whole vibe going forward. But I, I, I think it's been, um, it's been interesting taking people into two camps, which I like. You know, kind of like to know where people stand, but it also is, it's very, very disappointing that so many people have, have kind of walked away from what made them who they are. Totally. You know, I, I, that I a hundred percent agree with, and, um, we'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. That's for sure. Um, and we're just at the front end. Let me talk about, um, some more pleasant stuff. Um, Fair enough. I, I don't know um, if you saw the No Laying Up. I don't know if you're familiar with the No Laying Up podcast or the No Laying Up crew, but they did this um, almost like documentary video on the Stanford team um, that's on YouTube that um, when I first saw it, I said, oh, Jesus, 80 minutes long. That's a big investment. But I, I just found it unbelievably compelling because it was really well produced. And they went inside the team. They had sort of in the team meetings and, you know, they focused on Rose um, and Rachel, you know, surprisingly. And sure. Jesus, they, they, I'm just blown away by how good they are. I mean, Rachel had they, the tournament. They, they went up to Dell. What's the course outside Sacramento Del Paso or um, they had yeah, Del Paso. Maddie yeah. They had that tournament, yeah. some tournament women's tournament up there that Stanford played in. 
<laughs> it was Sac State tournament. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and Rachel Heck, you know, puts a ball in the water on a par three and makes a double bogey, and nonetheless shoots sixty three. I mean, she had like I'd eleven bird. I it was just crazy. I mean, and but it was anyways. It was a fascinating thing, and they are an amazing team. And you know, um, I thought it was we all it, it, this whole NCAA. Um, format now where you have to go to match play after the sort of stroke play and stuff. And, you know, it's hard to sort of win it all. And I thought it was pretty neat that, you know, after Rachel wins it the prior year as a freshman, Rose wins it individually this year and, um, you know, uh, and, and, and the team wins it. And then, as I said, they had Megagani who's going to be joining them. Um, who's phenomenal. I mean, I think all that can be nothing but good for women's golf. Um, and Rose is just, what an amateur record she has. Just amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, that team won everything in the fall, you know, and then had, you know, Rachel was obviously sick. She's sick, had, right, right. Right, and so she wasn't playing, and they they didn't win the Pac-12 championship, which was right. weird, you know, because you thought right. they would run away with it. And they did one of the hardest things to do in golf is, is win as a heavy favorite. Exactly. You know? Better, I mean, well I, said, I, exactly. I remember that Cal team in 2011 that, yes. you know, I – knew somebody on that team pretty well. And, you know, that team had won 11 tournaments that year and they won the stroke play part of the NCAA championship, but could not get over the hill at Riviera right. in match play. Right. So it's not unusual to see, obviously in match play, the team that may be the best team not win. Right. They, in fact, a couple people, one of the people on the team calls their season, they won 11 and a half tournaments that year because they won the stroke play <laughs> national championship and win the match play. But, you know, college golf is interesting. It's, it's a lot of have and have nots. And, um, you know, we could get into the transfer portal and talk about how horrifying that is. Yes, um, I know. From yeah. a, I, I think, you know, from players, it's put all the, the, it's put all the leverage for the players, which is good. You know, I think in a lot of ways, I think some of that needed to happen for sure, but it's probably going to screw with a lot more kids than it does help because, parents unfortunately are still involved in the decision making a lot of their kids and if their kid isn't starting as a freshman because they're not as good they're going to blame the coach and the kid's going to transfer and by the time you do that it kind of ruins the whole college experience i think to a certain degree but a little off track but i just think the college golf landscape is it's fascinating um women's golf men look out look out there is there's right? a, we're yeah. in kind of a neat time right now. We sure in are a professional game. I know we're yeah. segueing a little bit. No, no, I'm glad you're doing that. Cause game, that's what I agree. I mean, we're talking, look at Nellie Corda is a, is a world beater and just a kid. I mean, she's just phenomenal. You know how I feel about Jimmy and co. Yeah. I think is a freak show 63 greens regulation. How the heck do you do that? She did that. Minji Lee's proximity to the whole numbers right now below the average PGA tour out of the player out of the water. And she's doing it with more club into the green. It's right. not wedge to wedge. Okay. We're talking no. yardages here. Yeah. And she is way better than tour average on those. She's a fantastic player and absolutely deserved to win the US Open. And then you have like Lexi, who, you know, is, is not my favorite golfer of all time, but she keeps bringing it and she, she's a competitor and, and, and there's so many young players now that have come along that are 19. You know, uh, Lydia Coe's 25 years old. She's like the old lady on the tour. I know. It's funny. Like 17 that, exactly. times or right. something crazy like that. 
like the quality of golf on the LPGA tour right now is, is just staggering. And to see the women's amateur game where it is right now in college golf and, and otherwise is, man, it's an exciting time. And, you know, I think the, the guys are going to have a run for their money as purses continue to grow on the LPGA tour. And it was, it was so cool to see 1.8 million yeah. go to Minji Lee for winning that U S open. But as those, as those numbers go up, and we continue to see worldwide participation in the game of golf with better athletes going in that direction because of the possibility of the amount of money that they can make and the exposure that it's starting to get. We could see the women's game really continue to evolve here to a point where I'm not saying they'll be on tennis as par, you know, where the women and the men are kind of equally respected Equal, right, and looked at. Right. And, but it's, it's going to keep going that way. And Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because I think people have missed out on a lot of great golf over the years because they haven't been watching the LPGA tour. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be compelling to watch and it won't change the fact, unfortunately, that many, 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 many private clubs in this country, not just in places where you'd expect it to be a boys club, but in other places where you wouldn't expect it to be a boys club where there are no restrooms on the golf course except for the ninth and the 10th tee and the, and, the, and the first tee and where there is no women's locker room and there are no female members. And it's just horrifying, man, that we're sitting here in 2022 watching that go down in places that you shouldn't see it going down, that it'll still be a boys club and they're still going to limit the membership and it's going to be a shame. But I can tell you right now, cause I have one in my house most women can go out and kick every one of those guys' butts. Yeah. And I hope that the girls get the exposure they so rightfully deserve because they are fantastic players and they're fun to watch, man. They're fun to watch. And they're hitting great shots all day. I totally agree. And, you know, I just back to Rose for a second. Um, and I know you've said this before, and I don't disagree that she's kind of the, at this moment in time is, you know, the best amateur male or female, you know, in the world today, um, close. she's Very got close. the first, so we know, you know, college athletes have these, um, name image likeness deals they can make now NIL deals. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, she signed the first NIL deal with Adidas of any collegiate athlete, mm. um, male or female. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's an amazing time for women's golf and the talent that's coming up and, um, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And, and, you know, and to the U S open, the women's U S open granted, they needed a presenting sponsor to sort of get the purse, but so be it. I mean, it was great to see the purse and that kind of prize. And, and the other thing that I think is really cool is the courses they're going to start going to. I mean, starting with Pebble Beach next year. I mean, you know, if you look at, and I don't have it off the tip of my tongue, but I remember looking at the list for the next 10 women's U.S. Open, the course, it looks no different than the men's and, you know, kind of about time, right? I mean, it's, I think they're going to Riviera in a few years, I don't, is is on the list. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, for too long, I mean, it was just the courses they were going to were not where the U.S. Women's Open should be, but now it's it, top flight stuff. Oakmont's on there. I mean, they've been there before, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. I mean, really great list of courses. And one thing I'll, I'll say on just to double down on that, Larry, is that 
the the European tour um, is doing a great thing this week, and that the men and the women are playing at the same events, and I believe they're competing against each other that week. Mm. And if the PGA Tour wanted to shake things up a little bit, what a cool idea to put the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour together, not in a hit and giggle, but in an actual event where they were competing against each other yeah. from the correct tees. Right. So that the average seven iron distance is 173 on the PGA Tour and 141 on the LPGA Tour. It's 32 yards apart. And basically every par four should average somewhere around 65 to 70 yards shorter for the women versus the men, because that would incorporate the driving distance and the iron distance. And then you would go a little bit bigger on the par fives, a little bit shorter on the par threes, but you're looking at somewhere around 60 to 70 yards per hole. If you do the math on that and you say, okay, 60 yards per hole on average times 18, right? You get a a nice number of 6,000 plus, uh, 48. So it's, it's about 1100 yards shorter, I believe is the number. And if you had the PGA tour course, be it 7,400 yards, you play the LPGA tour course at about 6,300 yards, you'd begin to start to have an equal playing field. Now the greens are still going to be at a firmness level that is going to be better for a club that's shorter coming in with more spin clearly, or the same club coming in with more spin. But if you narrow the fairways up a little bit more, then the accuracy off the tee may do a good job of counteracting that. And if the par three distances were correct, which I think it wouldn't take a genius to figure out, you can have a really compelling event. And I'm curious to see how the European tour handles that this week. Um, I was fortunate enough to have Brandel Shembley out to Hawaii and we had lots of dinners with Eamon Lynch and conversations about all this with Maddie and my daughter and, and we were all convinced that we have figured this out and we've, we, we know what this could mean for the game of golf in general. You want to grow the game? You want to grow the game? You don't totally. need Saudi money. Yeah. You don't need some stupid, ridiculous field. You need to put uh, both genders out there together where it's interesting and competitive and fair yeah. and televise it and put it on a really good golf course and have the world watching, which is the best guys in the world are going to help drive that along with the best women. It'd be fascinating. It'd be great. Let's let's do an event. Let's have a you know hundred player event. Top fifty guys, top fifty women. It'd be great. I think it'd be compelling to watch. I think we'd get great ratings. You'd bring in both you know demographics into it. It'd be fabulous. But that's how you grow the game. That's how you I grow. I totally agree. I actually wasn't aware of this European tournament doing that, but I I think that would be. Totally compelling. And, and I'm glad you went through the math. You and I've had this conversation before, but, you know, I think it would be amazing to sort of see them play each other with that yardage differential along the lines of what you said. So it was apples and apples and not apples and oranges. And, and, um, and you're right. It's still a little different because of the spin of the ball and the firmness of the greens, but it would be a, so it wouldn't be a perfectly level playing field, but it'd be pretty close, much more level. And, and, I think it'd be fascinating to see because as you point out, I mean, you look at the proximity of the whole stats for someone like Minji Lee, you know, put her on a 6,300 yard course. I don't care who you want to put on the 7,400, you know, put JT, whoever you want. I mean, I would, I would love to see that. I think that would be really compelling. It would be. And I think, you know, it's funny because Maddie, my daughter's on TikTok, and 
you know, like all social media, there are many experts on social media. I didn't know if you knew this, Larry. <laughs> I did um, not. I'm glad that you have yeah, uh, enlightened yeah, me. It's fascinating. I never knew there were this many professionals in, in the world of golf on social media, but there are. And the thing that's always interesting is whenever she posts something, they'll be like, oh, I would, uh, you know, move back a tee and let's see what you can do. Or, you know, play from the guy. It's like, are you that stupid? You know, that's not the same. Like right. you don't put them on the same team. Where, where that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's illogical to come up with this ridiculous argument. But there's so many, there's many, many idiots posting online that that just disrespect the women's game because they don't play from the same tee as the guys. And any, and I had this conversation with Brandel. I said, "Can a woman be the best player in the world? Is that possible?" He what said, "One hundred percent." He said, "One hundred percent, she can be." You know. And so, and they're like, well, yeah, but if she played against the guys from the same teams, it's like, that does, that's not what we're talking about. A woman can be the best player in the world. Virginia and co has been the best player in the world. And you could say Scotty Scheffler has, has challenged her for that and possibly so, right? I can see the logic behind that. But at the same time, like, it, that's kind of the cool, compelling argument, you know, that it can be that you play the same golf course from the correct tees set up correctly. And we could see a real fun battle. How cool would that be if coming down the stretch in the final group, you had JT against Minji? Or, I know. I'd uh, love that. Or, you know, I mean, you had Rory playing against Nelly Corda. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I would be glued to my TV. Like so I would I. I agree. Championship. And I think we're just missing the boat there in, in another, you know, world golf championship event where there's no cut in that one and it's the same dudes that are playing every time there's a world golf who cares about world golf championship events why don't you do one of them take one of them away and let's put it top 50 women top 50 men let's see what we got i think it'd be awesome if you did it right it'd be compelling i think it's a brilliant idea i think you know you 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 got to get your friend brandle and eamon and eamon and you know whisper in the right people's ears for that, because I think it'd be a great thing. To, 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 and yeah, and I totally agree with you. I mean, we talk about growing the game that that's, that's, that's a lot more meaningful than having no cut 54 hole shotgun <laughs> tournaments. That's for sure. Be a break. Well, and <laughs> fortunately, Bailey Brandel's wife is great. And she's, yeah, she's, I saw she was out she's there very involved you. in the women's game. And yeah, I think she she's, is. she's great. She's, she's in her own very separate from Brandel is, is very much a, you know, um, should be well-respected in the game of golf and the things that she's trying to do to drive, you know, the women's game as well. So it has nothing to do with Brandon. It's just Bailey being Bailey and she's great. So, you know, I, I, if we get the right people involved, I think it could be really fun and it'd be a heck of a lot more fun conversation to have than talking about Phil Mickelson and, and Greg Norman and all the other, you know, folks that are out there that are going to go, you said, Mr. Norman, I would never, ever say that about him. You know, I, I want to get, get I want to get, I, I, I mean, I, not to, not to, not to uh, be too what caddy or whatever, but I want someone to sort of get Chris Everett and to sort of do an interview with her to ask her what she thinks Greg Norman's like, but you know, I, like I have to that. say, I think that would be yeah. an interesting TV moment to be honest with you. But, um, uh, anyway, I, I, I know we've gone on and on, but I, I don't want to wrap up before we spend at least a little bit of time on the men's U S open coming up at yes. Brookline. Um, I don't know. You and I haven't really talked much about Brookline as a golf course. I don't know if you've played well, it at all. 
Um, I have not. It's um, so I played it a lot because it was my home course in college. But Very you know, cool. the, the the thing that's weird about it to me is it's, I, you know, it's got they borrow holes from the third nine there, and they've done all these different configurations over the years. So it is not the same eighteen that the members play. Um, so the golf course has twenty seven holes, and you know they they. Um, I think they started this in the 63 U S open. They, they do all sorts of weird things by that. I mean, they don't just borrow holes from the third nine, but literally, you know, there's one hole where they play from the first tee of the, of the third nine to the second green, a little cross country golf. So they actually turn it into like a monster par four, as opposed to a short par four and a par three. Anyways, it's, they, they, they flipped it all around a lot, but it's, it's an interesting course. It's very new Englandy. It's got all these mm. rock, rock outcroppings. And of course we all remember the Ryder cup there. I'm not sure who this favors um, uh, or, or who's a fair. I mean, obviously Billy Horschel is hot, but um, I, I keep wondering back to one of your favorite guys, is this going to be Cam Smith's time? Cause I think you really mm. going to need to have an, uh, an immaculate, pitch and chipping game at that course the greens are very small um and um uh i don't know of anyone who has better hands around the greens than than he does um he's amazing um and um you know maybe he will but uh, i don't know if you have any you always are good at predictions if you have anybody you think will be you know a favorite for this well i will say i'll pat myself on the back at the pga i had jt as my pick Oh, and in okay. my in my top five, I had JT, I had Zalatoris, I had Cameron Young, who had a very good. Really, beat. you had all these? Yes. Wow! I had all three of those. So my friend, who uses my knowledge on his DraftKings board, did very very well. Yeah, he made a, a few dollars on that. Yeah, and so I was I asked for my percentage, and I still haven't received it, which I'm very disappointed. But you know, I I always go off of a couple of things. One. Uh, you know, form is number one for me. How are they playing at the moment? You know, that seems to be the most important thing. Uh, Billy Horschel obviously missed the cut last week and won this this last tournament. So that always doesn't always pan out. But I think in a major championship, you know, you want to look at maybe the last three or four tournaments and how people have been playing. I think that's a good way to go. Um, you know the course better than me. It seems to me, Thinking back at the 99, you know, uh, Ryder Cup and whatnot, yeah. that, you know, I'm sure it sets up different than that than it would for an open, but it's tree lined and there's, you can get yourself in some trouble off the tee. And for sure, you know, the short game, compl- short game is going to be, you know, you miss the fairway, you're going to have some, some opportunities to have to get up and down a little different right. than exactly, you know, some of the previous open courses we've seen here, you know, of late. So that's nice to see that, that I think maybe fairways matter a little bit more. I wish they'd go back to that a little bit more as well, but you know, I think Cameron Smith, the thing about the guy is he probably has the best mindset of anyone in the world right now. Because I just don't think he cares very much. Like, he just has that, you know, like, yeah, let's go play a major. It's all good. You know, he's got he's got that going for him. Yeah. You know, DJ had that going for him. I was just going to say, DJ, that's right. It reminds me of that. Kind of remind me of each other. You know, yeah. JT really cares, you know. Like, JT really wants to win. I think that's great. I think it can sometimes be difficult. 
you know, Rory's played well of late. He just hasn't quite put all the rounds together, you know, in a major for quite some time. Speed's playing better. Yeah. Hard to talk about, you know, anything without Scheffler because the guy's winning all over the place. Sam Burns seems to be a pretty good player all of a sudden. He's won three times this year. I think you could put like a, a 15 guys there and say, man, any one of these guys could be competitive this week. You know, I think it, they, it would be, be shocking. It would be shocking to see out of those top 15, 10 of them be in contention, you know, in some way, shape or form over the course of the four days. But, you know, it goes back. If it's any kind of traditional open, you still got to hit fairways. You know, I'm going to give you a dark horse pick here. Okay. Okay. Here's my dark horse pick. Um, I'm going to pick Matthew Fitzpatrick. Ah, well, not too dark. He won the U.S. Amateur there, right? He did, which is why I'm taking him. One of the reasons I'm taking him. But nobody would have put him in their top 10, right? Most likely, I don't think. I think it'd be hard to to go jump over Rory and Rom and Scheffler. And you like Jesse someone? You all. like someone who chips cross-handed? I don't mind it too much if they're good at it. Um, he's a good ball striker. It's a lot of fairways, a lot of greens. He's a very good ball striker. I'm I'm a big fan of that. I like guys that can control the thing. He seems to be around a lot lately. And you know maybe it's that type of dark horse pick. I mean, it's not well, like he, I'm picking. He, he, I'm not picking the 175th of the world. No, you're not. He he. That swing got awful fast on Sunday at at Southern Hills. Maybe he learned something from it. Maybe that's what he needed. I mean, most of the time you 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 knock on the door and they don't answer for a while. Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to keep knocking, and so it's it's just sheer numbers at some point. I mean, you'd like to think that you know Rory at some point will. We'll win another major, I think. You know, I'd like to see that. I really like the guy a lot. And I think JT is is fun to watch as anybody in the game. You know, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but that playoff was as 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 much as you could ever see in a playoff. Every single shot you need to win a major championship and the mentality to win a major. Yeah. Right. He misses the first fairway. He's got to put it back in play and trust his wedge game. He shows discipline and composure. He puts yeah. it out in the fairway, hits a quality wedge, and makes a wonderful putt from, I think, 8 to 10 feet for par. Right. 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 What a great par. I mean, embodied a lot of what you need to be competitive in a major, that type of patience. The the three would hit on the next hole was a stick. You know, it yeah. rivaled Morikawa's Mar- part. Right. I agree. And it, and it was really fun because I'm not a big club control guy, as you know. However... That ball was in the air. When he realized it faded a little more than what he intended, because I think he was trying to hit the greenside bunker when I heard him talking about it afterwards. But when he saw it was fading a little bit more and it had a real good shot to get on the green, that was one of the more aggressive club twirls I've yeah, ever seen. It was I agree. pretty cool. Right? So what a gutsy, great quality shot under pressure. Stepped up, did it in the moment. Made a really solid birdie there. And then on 18, a very tough driving hole, as we saw. Poor Mito, you know, struggled with that. Ripped in the fairway, perfect spot, fat sided in the middle of the green to 20 feet, knocked it down to eight inches or whatever it was. I mean, clinical performance. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just the display he had in the playoff was was like pure class. Wow. Like so, so good. It wasn't a hole out from, you know, from Larry Mize off the edge of the green. It wasn't one of those. It was just like he did everything you, you could do to show how good he really was and, and deserved to win that thing. So 
I, I think, you know, he's fun. And you know how I feel about Cameron Smith. I think Cameron Smith, like, if I had to pick one of the favorites, I'm going to have to go with Cameron Smith. You were. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. He played horrible on the back nine um, last week. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. He shot like 42 or something on the back yeah. nine. But if anybody's going to recover from something like Oh, that, yeah. No, I agree. That's not going to have any last thing. I want to talk about Roy. You mentioned Roy. I, and, and we'll stipulate, because you and I both feel the same about him just as a figure in the game and as a leader. And I, I echo everything you said on that. I, I'm a huge and, and, and more so now than ever fan of, of the way he, you know, his commentary on stuff and everything. So I agree with that. Just right. let's talk about the golf for a sec. Um, so I just wonder at some point if he's got so much scar tissue built up, um, if he's going to get over late. and, and I got to tell you, I, I watched that Sunday front nine and he makes four birdies in a row. And I mean, in retrospect, I mean, he was at four under, I mean, I the know. playoff was five. Right. Um, and so. And that next hole, um, I think it was the par three. He fans that five iron to the right of the green, if I'm remembering it right. Okay. You know, that happens. That was about the worst chip. I mean, you just, I mean, you just can't at that level. I mean, we're talking about, you know, that, that level that, you know, major tournament. I mean, what's up with that? I mean, you just can't do that. And, and I don't and, know. It's like a complete brain fart there. Brain fart. It's I mean, funny that you said that because me and a hair guy who, you know, finished the runner up in the women's open last week, she had a couple really tough pitch shots, you know, like early on in that round, I forget what hole it was, but she left it short of one of the greens and she had one of those terrible, like 35 feet up the slope. And then yeah, at yeah. the top of the crowd where it goes again, goes down grain all of a sudden. Yeah. It, she had maybe seven, six, seven feet of green there. And, you know, she was into the grain on the way up and down grain on the way down. It was just such a tough chip and like tight Bermuda lie into the yeah. grain. You're looking at it like, Ugh, you know, like I'm glad I don't have to hit that shot right, right now, right, you know? Right. And she stuffed it to like six inches and it was like such quality, you know, in terms of if you know how hard that shot was, right. your hat was off to her because it was like, that was really, really difficult. Rory's shot was not that difficult. Exactly. That's my point. It was point. a exactly. vanilla pitch shot. Of it was all a time. stock vanilla chip pitch. And I and mean, it was, it was a horrible. whiff. It was a whiff. I have no idea. Like you just can't do that. I mean, as bad right. as Jack exactly. allegedly was around the green, Jack wouldn't have done that there. He not, that not, not in that situation. Made. Not no. in that situation. <laughs> And those are the things that change golf terms. Like, like you said, I mean, Rory still, even with that horrible pitch shot, missed every putty looked at on the back nine. I know. He could have easily won the tournament outright with that horrible pitch. But exactly. That's how you don't win majors. You blow an easy up and down. You miss a few of the putts you need to make. And the next thing you know, you miss a playoff by two shots. And I know. And it could I, have been, it's I another just... what could have been. I know. I love the guy. I love the guy. And I, and I mean, I could sit there and watch him hit tee shots all day. They're like howitzers. They're not an incredible driver of the ball. But when I see that, you know, and, and, you know, and of course, and after the opening round and, you know, and then he sort of fizzles, but even, okay. Like he fizzles Friday say, but you know, 
boy, four birdies in a row, he's rolling. You know, he gets that bounce in his step, and you can just he did help. it at Augusta too. He did it at Augusta. He did it at Augusta I know. too. I know. I know. It's like he gets he has to knock himself out of the tournament before he'll start playing ball. Right, That's but then, so but weird. at least this time, I mean, unlike Augusta, where he, even with this whole lot on the bunker on the seventy second hole, he's still one side track. Here, it's on the front nine, and he's already the four under. And, you know, it's like, okay, wow. Now we're going to sort of see the fireworks early enough where he's going to have a chance. And I just, I saw that chip. I just, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, th- this is the kind of thing I wonder about with him. And again, I adore the guy. I just adore him. But I mean, you know I what? Just... we're spoiled, Larry. We're spoiled. We had, we had this recent generation. We had Tiger who, when he got a 54 hole lead, it was over, over. in no uncertain over. terms. Yeah. Good night. I over. No way you're. He's not going to give it to you. He's way too. Like I said, I think Tiger might be the second smartest golfer I ever got to watch yeah. play behind yeah. Jack. Yeah. I think they were both geniuses on the golf course, and yeah. Tiger doesn't get enough credit for how smart he was. Yeah. But then I agree with that. you had like you had the foreign invasion reeling under the Bears' attack. You know, we had that charge in 86, you know, like we got to watch magic, magic happen. And it just doesn't happen that much, I think, is really the reality, right? Like you just don't get to see that level of greatness, but maybe once every 30 or 40 years. And and as much as Rory's a great, great, great player, He's not Tiger Woods and he's not Jack Nicklaus. So he's not going to wire to wire you and, and never falter and, and, and just never make mental mistakes like, like Tiger did and, and Jack. And, and you may not see that Sunday charge, you know, that, that we, that we've seen out of Jack and, and Palmer. And like, we're just, I don't know, maybe we're just our expectation level are we're rooting with our heart a lot. You know, we want to see this because we like the guy so much and we think he's such a talented player. Yeah. But that's just the exception. That's not the rule. Like that's that's not even the rule of the best player of the generation. It may just be a couple generations that skips and and maybe that guy is out there somewhere. Maybe it's Sam Burns or Scotty Scheffler, it's possible. Maybe it's uh, Rose Rosang on the on the women's side. We may be seeing that at some point, but what we want to see, we know he can do, and he just I just can't get over the hump. We saw it out of JT though, didn't we? We and totally we saw JT we, play that round. We 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 did. We we and we even did. he didn't birdie eighteen, which we wish no. We and I actually thought he was. I mean that that oh, iron, two great shots. That iron two great shot shots. was just unbelievable those the drive too. the, the drive, drive too. yeah the drive too. pure yeah. filth that drive that was unbelievable. I, I totally agree with you i mean and and he did you're right he did i mean it but you're you're probably right it's just it's just it was it's just disappointing well look we'll see what happens at brookline i mean you know brookline is where we there's been magic before right i mean mm-hmm you know, probably the seminal event in U S golf history with, we met winning in 1913, you know, Justin Leonard's 45 footer on that 17th hole, which, you know, we met's house is literally, if you play that hole and it's still there. Uh, In fact, somebody bought it. They're actually restoring it, but it is literally right across the street from the 17th green where, you know, Justin Leonard hit that cross country putt on the, and they, you know, and Crenshaw famously right the night before 
wagged his finger. There you go. Wagged his finger. I had a feeling. So we've seen magic before. I, maybe we'll see it again. Who knows, right? But I would, what I would like to say is that if it's sad to me that we won't get to see, or maybe we will, if we have an opportunity to watch Sergio cry a little bit more and blame <laughs> everyone other, under the sun for his lack of, I mean, first it was whining about Tiger getting all the coverage and then, you know, the rules official screwed him last week. And who's he going to complain about on the live tour? And wouldn't it be great to see, you know, that Spaniard one more time suffer at the hands of the 17th hole at Brookline? That would make me happy. I know it was Olathobble, but it's still, I mean, I like Olathobble, but man, I couldn't. I, I mean, the fact that he's on that tour too just makes me all the more happy. It really, I, really does. I I appreciate that. I get it. The I word it. ingrate comes to mind with him. Um, I I don't disagree. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a great tournament, and it, there's such history there that um, there is. There uh, is. I think it's it's going to be fun. I'm glad they're going back there again. You know, I want to see it in a U.S. Open setting. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch that and. You know, I think the men's game and the women's game right now are both in awesome places. They are. I think there's so much positive going on that this should be a really fun open. You know, it's going to be really fun to watch. I think you got so many stars in the game on the guy's side right now. And you got some really great young players, too, that are coming along. I mean, is it Zalatoris' time? He's a great ball striker. He's a great oh, ball striker. We'll Brady, see. I can't. I, I, those close-ups... They shouldn't do those. They shouldn't do that. I they mean, I, as someone, I, and I can say this, and as you well know, <laughs> as someone who was in the putting wilderness for 25 years before uh, your buddy um, uh, Dave Phillips, you know, suggested that I go uh, Southpaw and, and, you know, and which was a lifesaver for me, um, watching that close up on any putt that Zalatoris has in the two to four or three to five foot range, the way that club head moves. Mm. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't, I, it, it's frightening to me. The only thing I could compare it to would be Charles Barkley's full swing. That's Before, what but like. I mean, in the old days, he's actually swinging a old little better. Charles Barkley. I, old I, Charles I agree. Barkley. I'm just saying like if Charles, Charles Barkley's full swing was a putting stroke, yeah, it would be Will Zalatoris. Well, it's kind true. of that's that's actually right, very true because Barkley had that hitch and it would stop and he would start no, again, and that's like what the putter does. I mean, it's like unbelievable. I don't know what a jalopy is, but I I think it has some sort of reference to an old car. But that's exactly what it looks like it's starting and stopping multiple times. It yeah, is horrifying to watch. It, 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 it is horrifying. Um, but he, what a ball striker, right? I mean, oh, he's great, man. He and the class. I mean, I, I have so much respect for how he handled that situation and the way totally. he talked about it afterwards. I mean, that's what we, I, those guys, man. That's that's what we gotta we gotta latch onto about this game because that's that's what makes our game so special, you know. And and I'd say the women are in the same boat. They, they celebrate the victories in a, in a great way when they're out on, like, I mean, you got to see Minji and all of her friends came out and celebrated. I mean, so good. So good. That's what we love about the game. You know, this isn't supposed to be an in your face kind of 
deal. It's supposed to be competition and, and we're supposed to respect our opponents and, you know, try and win obviously and all that stuff. But I don't know, like somewhere in the game still, it isn't like the other games. I mean, and if you know anything about me and other sports, you'd know I'm the worst person to play against in every other sport. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a cheap shot artist in hockey. I'm dirty. I'll talk trash. I'll do all that. But in golf, never, ever, never, ever, nothing but respect. And you know that because you've played enough golf with me that I, uh, I don't, totally, I don't do any of that stuff on the golf. Totally course. agree. Totally. I agree. like that. It's different. We got to have some place where civility still matters. Uh, you know what? That is very good. Well said. I a hundred percent agree. You, this has been a lot of fun as always, Brady. Thank you. We'll, we'll look forward to sort of seeing what next week brings us. And, um, uh, but, uh, it should be a great tournament. We'll look forward to it. Thanks, man. I'll talk soon. to you soon.